0: Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. God wants to kill you. God wants you dead. Does that shock you? Well, let me put it this way. God has to kill you. God has to kill you in order to make you alive. That's the point of our epistle reading today from Romans chapter 7, and thus our theme this morning, God wants to kill you. What in the world are you talking about, Pastor? God wants to kill you. That doesn't sound very nice. And well, it's not. In fact, it can be very painful. But it's the most loving thing God can do for you. Kill the old you, enslaved to sin, bound for eternal death, and bring forth a new you, alive in the Spirit, bearing fruit for God, and heading for eternal life. That's what God does, and you need it, yes. You've got to change masters. You need a new Lord from the one you had before Christ and apart from Christ. At that time, before you came to life in Christ, your old master, the the slave master that was driving you, was sin. That's all you could do. The old fleshy nature, the sinful nature, the old Adam, we call it, would not allow you to rise any higher than that. Flesh give birth to flesh. And that's that. You and I, like all the fallen sons of Adam, were born into slavery. Slavery to sin. The truth is that you cannot reform the old Adam. You can only make him a better sinner. The old Adam can dress himself up, can make himself look like a respectable person, a moral person, even a religious person. But his basic nature doesn't change. He just does more respectable sins. Or maybe he gets better at hiding the disreputable ones. But he's still a sinner still hates God and wants to disobey him, that's who we are, each one of us, according to our old sinful nature. Look, you can refine your sins. You can make them not look so bad or so obvious. You can try to suppress your sins, try to keep them down and hidden, keep them from popping out in unsightly embarrassing ways. You can make yourself look better than those bad people, the really gross sinners. That's what's called being a Pharisee. The Pharisees are pretty good at that, but you cannot change your essential sinful nature. It will just show up in different ways. Pride, lust, gossip, and greed, for instance, the more secret and respectable sins instead of, oh, outright stealing or murder, like the bad people do. But pride, lust, gossip, and greed are just as surely the product of a sinful nature as are the showier sins. No, you cannot reform the old Adam. You can only kill him. Or should I say God has to kill him. Put him to death and start over with a new you. The old Adam has to die in a new person, clean and forgiven for Christ's sake, made alive and energized by the Holy Spirit, a, a new creation, Really, that's what's got to happen if you're going to live. Really live, I mean. So how does God do this? The, the killing, the putting to death of, our old, of the old sinful you? Well, here's where the law comes in. God kills us with his law? Well, yes, he does. Does that mean that the law does something bad? Well, no. As we just sang earlier, the law of God is good and wise. His law is good and wise, but we are not. That's the problem. And we need God's law to show us that, and then to put us to death so that a new man may arise. Paul, St. Paul writes it in our text. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. You see, you need the law to let you know what sin is, and that you are a sinner. Otherwise, you might delude yourself into thinking everything's okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Not so sure about that guy down the street. And sometimes I wonder about you, but at least I know I'm okay. I'm a pretty good person, and I don't need any outside help. That's how the natural man thinks. God's law tells us that anything short of loving the Lord with everything that is in you, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, or anything short of loving your neighbor as you love yourself, the law tells us that this is a sin. God's law tells us that it is not just the final outward act that is sin, but anything that falls under those two broad umbrellas, whether in thought, word or deed. All of it is sin in the sight of God. All of it separates us from him. The lustful thought, the unkind assumption about someone else, the lack of love for God and his word and his house, these all reveal our nature as sinners just as much as if we were a thief, an adulterer, or a murderer. Sin starts on the inside. And works its way out in a million different ways. God's law tells us this. So that we would know we need help. So that we know that we cannot rescue ourselves or justify ourselves. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin, Paul wrote earlier in Romans. And now he repeats the thoughts in today's epistle lesson. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. God's law acts like a mirror to show us that we what we really look like as sinners and it's not a pretty sight but just so we don't miss the point the law does even more than just that it even accelerates our sin arouses it makes it even more obvious st paul continues for i would not have known it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet but since seizing an opportunity through The commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. You see, our screwed up sinful nature is so screwed up that it wants to sin against God. When it finds out God wants us to live a certain way, it will do the exact opposite. It's like a rebellious kid. Our old Adam is. God tells me I'm not supposed to covet. Well, I'm going to show him. I'm going to covet even harder. So there sin, the sin in you and me, well, sin hears God's law, his commandment, and says, no, I don't want to serve God. I want to serve me, my desires, my pleasures. I want to do what I want no matter where I am. And in so doing, we end up serving ourselves into death. Our sinful passions aroused by the law, St. Paul says, bear fruit for death. For the penalty for breaking God's law, any of it is death. St. Paul puts it this way. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment, might become sinful beyond measure. So do you recognize yourself in that mirror of God's law? That sinner staring back at you? Good. That's what you need to see. A dead man with no hope of saving yourself. If that is what you see, then the law is doing its job. Now, God has another word for you. A life-giving word. The word of the gospel, which makes alive, which gives life, new life, eternal life, life in Christ, life in the spirit. You need a whole new you if you're going to live as God's child. And God makes it happen. It happens only through the gospel. The good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his death is the death of death. His blood shed on the cross covers all our sins. God's own Son bore the brunt of our sins on His own back, a back whipped and striped, a body nailed to the cross. By His stripes we are healed. Christ, our Savior, fulfilled God's law for us, kept its intent perfectly, As a man, and then, even though he is sinless, he took the full force of the judgment that the law pronounced upon sinners dying in our place. He did all of this for you. Yes, you too. And for every other sinner who has ever lived. The not-so-bad ones and the really bad ones. It makes no difference if you're a sinner, you qualify. Come and get some forgiveness. It's right here for you. There's more than enough to go around, and it's all free, a pure gift. And this is how God makes you new. He kills you and makes you alive, and it happens in the waters of holy baptism. When you are joined to Jesus in his death and resurrection, dead man goes in and under the water, and a new creation comes up and out of it. As St. Paul describes earlier in the book of Romans, new life in Christ for you, the baptized child of God. This is how we live now. As new people, new creations in Christ. We've been set free from the old slavery to sin, and we rise now new every day, empowered and energized by the Holy Spirit to live as God's children, which, it just so happens, coincides with the way that God's law says we ought to live. Only now we're doing it by the power of the Spirit, not trying on our own feeble strengths, which will never cut it. We serve in the new way of the Spirit, our text says. My brothers, St. Paul writes, you have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. This is our new life now. We belong to Christ, our Lord, who has been raised from the dead. His resurrection life feeds our life as Christians. Now we bear fruit for God, good fruit. Things like faith and worship and love, which may sound like abstract words, but they take very real, very physical shape in our daily lives. The new life shows us, shows up in how we forgive one another. When one Christian sins against another, we forgive rather than take revenge. It shows up in our love for God that we want to come to church, even on a Saturday, as often as we can, as often as it's offered, and that we want to praise his name and receive those blessed gifts. It shows up when we discover we really do have the power to resist temptation and not just go along with the wrong-headed ways of the world like one animal in a herd running off the cliff. This is the life the Spirit produces in each and every one of us baptized believers, as we are nurtured in word and sacrament, in his very means of grace. So my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, God wants to kill you. Yes, that may sound shocking, but it's the best thing for you. God needs to kill you in order to make you alive in Christ. You've been set free from your old slavery to sin and death through the waters of holy baptism, and now you are alive to serve God in newness of the Spirit. Oh, well, your struggle with sin will continue your whole life long, but one day that struggle will come to an end when we rest from our labors secure in the faith. And then, at Christ's return, God will raise us up new and whole with no more sin to beset us. It will be glorious. You see, because God also wants to make you alive. He wants to give you life, new life now, and eternal life forever in Christ. And he does it through his holy word and out of his amazing love for you. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please rise for prayer. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Father, we thank you that you have killed the old Adam in us, releasing us from the law so that we now belong to Christ. Help us always to serve you in the new life of the Spirit and bear fruit for you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we thank you for all you do to provide us with our daily bread. Be with all who work to grow the fruits of the earth that you have given us for food. Give them favorable weather and a successful harvest. Bless also all involved in the commerce and industry of our land. Allow the fruits of their labor to provide for the material needs of the many who rely on them. Lord, in your mercy. Father. We thank you for our own nation of Canada and the many freedoms that you have provided for us here in this country and pray that you would indeed keep it glorious and free for many more years to come. Guide our King, Governor General, all elected and appointed leaders who serve us and all those under their care with integrity and compassion. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we thank you for the seasons and the means to travel the earth that you have given us. Keep safe all who journey, whether by land, sea, or air, especially in these summer months. Bring them safely to their destinations and see them home again. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we thank you for the freedom from sin, sickness, and death that will come with the full manifestation of your Son's kingdom. Give comfort, healing, patience, and endurance to Helen, Anna Mae, Betty, Betty, Teresa, Vincent, Ruth, Sharon, Dee, Jacqueline, Margaret, Arvis, Ron, Sage, Sharon, Shirley, and Sharon, Michelle, George, Orville, Paul, Rose. Margaret, Dave, Reverend Ron, Henock and his family, and all those who we name now silently in our hearts. Strengthen their faith so that they know that despite their suffering, you are with them always, and that they never face trial or temptation alone. Lord, in your mercy. Sure. Father, we thank you for the foretaste of the feast to come, that comes in the actual body and blood of your Son, in and with the simple elements of bread and wine. May this eating and drinking strengthen our faith, bind us to you, and free us for service to others. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we thank you for the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. Join our praise with theirs and bring us at last with them into the full freedom of your kingdom. All this we pray through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Please be seated for the collection of the offering.